So, hey, everybody, we are here with another recording for our little podcast here on Spinalpedia. And about last year, I did a shout out asking for people to share their story. And I was circling back earlier this month and I remembered Paul LaCourte. He's a musician. And it's not very often that you run into someone who is in a wheelchair on stage. And I thought, well, that might be interesting. So Paul agreed to talk with me today. So, hey, Paul, welcome. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Very good. Very good. It's uh, <laughs> So let's kind of start with just like the basics. I'm sure people want to know, like, where you're from, your age and your level of injury. So can you share that with us? Yeah, of course. So originally I was born in uh, Hollister, well, born in Monterey, California. Uh, then we moved over to our, I went back home to Hollister. So it's a small town. Okay. Um, we were really involved with the community and a lot of people. And so when the accident didn't ha did happen, it was a good support system to have. Okay. Um, I got in my accident in 2004. Okay. I had just graduated college or graduated high school and I was moving back to or moved down to Arizona uh, to go to school and I was going to Universal Technical Institute to be a mechanic. Cool. And I'd only been away for about four months when I decided to head back home to the county fair. And it's, a, it's like a 10 hour drive. Um, and I had a, I was working full time or part time job. So you know, stayed up pretty late the night before and then went to work first thing in the morning and then went to school and then it was, you know, 8 p.m. And we're like, all right, let's go <laughs> drive 10 hours down to California. And I made it uh, nine hours and uh -huh. it, was, it was a mix between falling asleep at the wheel and I was kind of, I had my a friend in the back seat and a friend in the front seat and, a, and like a, a cab and a half truck and I had my arm on the seat and was looking back, talking to my buddy. And I hit a road cone, the inside shoulder, there was no um, shoulder. They were doing uh, construction. So there was a bunch of road cones. I hit one of those that went into the car and that startled me because, you know, I was looking back and going 80 miles an hour. So dang it. Yeah. Was it one of those things where it happened so fast it felt like you were in a movie kind of thing? Yeah. I, I And to be honest, it was for many years. I don't, I don't, I still am not sure if I remember the whole thing or because I had a, yeah. So when the truck rolled, my head went through the windshield and then I went out the driver's side window. Oh my God. <laughs> as it rolled over. So you're lucky you didn't get a brain um, injury on top of that, really. You know exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um or break my neck and you're no everyone's like, well, yeah. Everyone's like, Well, were you buckled? And I was like, No, but if I was buckled, I would either have a, a broken neck or I'd be dead because the the headrest of the truck was squished all the way down onto the seat. Yep. And my seat was leaned all the way back. Um, and I had two like big 12 inch subwoofers behind them. So there I was nowhere. The, yeah. Yeah. There was nowhere for the seat to go. Wow. If, that, if I would have been in there. So I kind of look at it as being a little bit lucky. On you were lucky. That, Most of the time, kids, you could wear your seatbelt. But in your instance, though, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what do you tell people? Maybe not wear a seatbelt? I have no mm. idea. That, that, I think <laughs> I think your odds are better off wearing a seatbelt. So I, I, I adamantly wear seatbelts now. And I have my, make sure my daughter is always wearing her seatbelts as well. Right. I have a six-year-old daughter. And so. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I think she's yeah. um love it. So, but you were 18, so obviously a lot of people get yeah. that age. So it's kind of like you get born again in a way. You start your life after you get out of rehab and you have to change all your plans. So I know you said you yes. wanted to do auto mechanic stuff. So what did you end up changing to do? And what did you think about? <laughs> so I 
the reality is I did the auto mechanic school because I didn't enjoy regular school. I was just, I was always out going, riding dirt bikes or doing stuff. And so it, it yeah. kind of allowed mm -hmm. me to shift my life and say, okay, now I have another opportunity. I need to go back to school. I need to get into a regular college, get a degree and use, use my brain as much as I can to, mm -hmm. instead of just using my hands. So, yeah. um, it, it was definitely a hard transition going back home after being gone for four months at 18. I was like, why? You know? You're stuck at home with my parents. They're driving yeah. crazy. Hey, but at least, yeah. I mean, were you able to learn your cares pretty quickly so you didn't like need help or were you, did it take you a little yeah. bit? Yeah. No, I, it, the, so that's, I, I'm very fortunate with my accent. I was a, a T11 paraplegic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, uh, almost full filling in my legs wow um okay. i could walk a little bit with the walker my gait's not really good i spent a lot of years training and, and doing physical therapy yeah. and working with a trainer and everything but um so being able to care for myself was relatively easy basically the the inpatient rehab was like we can't teach you anything else you got to go home and live your life but <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to walk again. I can't go. Home yeah, because I'm sure, and you know, I think everyone, every situation is relative. If I was in your situation, I think what I'd be wanting was a really good gait. Like I just need to yeah. be able to walk like normal, right? I'm sure that's what yeah. you were just wanting so badly, right? Well, and mm -hmm. at, at that point, I wasn't able to walk yet. Yeah, I was. I, I. It wasn't until so my last week at inpatient rehab, I was able to start wiggling the toe. And then, cool. you know, three months later, it was a little bit on my foot and then I was able to kick my leg out and then it kind of went up one side and down the other side, but then it kind of stopped, you know, there was, and so throughout my training and working there, I did get a lot of return. Um, I'm also very fortunate with my bowel and bladder. Really? I have control over that. Nice. I don't have to worry, worry about programs and so I'm able to shower myself. So would you be an incomplete then technically T11? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, well, I think my classification was like at Asia. I think when I got out of Asia C right. or and I think I'm an E now or something. Asia. You know, Asia like, e. Okay. I think that's what it is. So it's like, I can't remember the exact classification. It's been so long since I've, done anything with therapists and right got any kind of <laughs> I know I'm like I don't know what I am either I've been paralyzed for yeah. about 30 years and I am um, you're very fortunate though to be able to get some return that way a lot of people don't so yeah yes so how many years did you do like physical therapy after you were you know at home and stuff yeah yeah so actually last year was my 19th year in a wheelchair and so I just hit the halfway mark of like half my life out of the chair, yeah. half my life in a chair. Um, when I first got back home, I started working with a scalpel acupuncturist and he was, he had like his own technique that he'd written books about. And I, I literally went to his place seven days a week and I was there for three or four hours a day. Ooh. And it was, he was this little Asian guy from China and spoke really poor English. And so he was like trying to teach me how to speak Chinese. And nice. I felt like Danielson. That's so cool. I want <laughs> like, to learn how to speak Chinese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did, so, um, did you learn any words from him? It was so long ago. I, I kind of came and gone. But um, mm -hmm. at that point, 
it was literally, I would go in there, he would put like 30 needles into my scalp in different areas. And then he would throw a walker at me and be like, walk. <laughs> I was like, this guy's crazy. Like, the first time I'm there. I was like, yeah, right. I'm going to be able to walk. And sure enough, him and another uh, guy that they had in there helped me. And I was able to stand up and I was like, okay, I'm coming back. I'm a believer, wow. you know, like, so I spent three, almost four months straight going to him almost every day. Yeah. And to the point where he was like, okay, it plateaus, you know, there's, there's not much more I could do for you. This is, this is about it. Right. So was, you can't go forever, you know, and, and see if you don't see a huge, what, um, improvement after so many months. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cause it was, of course it was all out of pocket. The insurance wouldn't cover the treatment and, you know, going there four hours a day. He cut us a really good deal, but it was still, you know, we, it was a lot. So um, that's tricky. You know, when you decide to live your life after an injury, like how much of my life do I want to dedicate to that? Or do I want to just live my life? Right. It's kind of tricky. Exactly. So yeah. at that point we project walk down in Carlsbad was kind of like in their prime of, okay. Oh, this is a new, new method to use. A good friend of mine owned a gym in town and he's a trainer. And so he came, he went down there with me. We did the train your trainer program, cool. which was a three day evaluation course kind of thing where they taught us how to do all the stuff. They sent us home with a, a book of what to train and stretch and different things oh, to work on. Okay. And then I would go and work with him four days a week at the gym. And then I ended up getting a job at the gym. So I was literally there like seven days a week. I would work and work out and train with him. And okay. I was in really good shape at that time in my life, which was yeah. great. Yeah. But what was it? Four, four years into it. Yeah. I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do? Like I could either admit that I'm in a wheelchair <laughs> and like, maybe this might be how it's going to be forever or yeah. <laughs> continue on with this, you know, strenuous lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so also at that point I was graduating from the community college and I had gotten into a state school. And so I was like, I need to just go live my life, accept it. I'll take all the information I learned about working out and how to keep going with stuff. Yeah. And I'll do that at a pace, but I'm not going to have this deadline. Like I need to walk or I need to, something needs to happen or I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. You know, I was like, I finally accepted after seven years after my accident. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is the way of life now. You're at 25 <laughs> years old when you finally realize that. It's wilders. <laughs> yeah. Wilders. So what did you study when you went to school? Mm -hmm. Um, So I took my time because it was, you know, adjusting to life in a chair and mm -hmm. also going to college for the first time. Um, it, it was like two classes. I passed one of them and then four classes past two of them and and then I got in the full swing of it and I realized after I took all the communication classes that they offered at the community college that that was most likely should be my major because I loved taking all I took all the classes they had to offer I loved them I enjoyed going to class and so that was that's what I decided to be my major cool. and when mm -hmm. I went to went to Cal State California State University of San Bernardino all right. And when I got there, I, I was, uh, well, public relations was my primary so yep. communications, public relations. And then when I was getting ready to graduate, 
Um, and I was filling out my paperwork. The counselor's like, oh, yeah, if you pay $25 more and take this one more class, you can get another degree. Like, sweet. Yeah. So I got a double bachelor's and one in uh, public relations and one in mass, mass that's, communications. That's really awesome. Congratulations yeah. on that. I know I have a mass yeah. communications degree too, but I didn't double major anything. <laughs> I have a minor in Spanish, which is completely useless. No, <laughs> you just got to move to California. <laughs> I know. Well, you're right. It is It is the most popular second language in the country, I guess so. But yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So that's so cool that you were able to pivot, get a degree. And then, so when you got your degree, finally, how old were you? Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2013. I think I was 28. Okay. Yeah, because I just turned 38. So. And then I were you really like, what What job did you land? What What kind of career did you envision for so, you? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when I was in college, I joined a fraternity. Oh, I was part of Delta, Delta Sigma Phi, and fun. it was a really great experience. And they, That's, oh man, I did not know about that. I would have saved time for that interview for us to talk about frat life, because <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, is, was there a lot of other brothers that you had who were also an, as a disabled person in the frat, or were you kind of the guy? There was, there was nobody in the school that I was only disabled fraternity fraternal member in the entire school which we were a smaller school but still we had 10 different fraternity or fraternity sorority situations going on there Mm -hmm. um there was i don't know there actually there was one other girl and one of the other sororities that's awesome awesome. the thing about being in a wheelchair you're kind of like sometimes the only the only one but i guess yeah you seem pretty confident yeah, I enjoy being the only, <laughs> being the only one. <laughs> Some other person comes in the wheelchair. Like, hey, man, this is my territory. <laughs> I love that about you. Now, I, I gotta ask because this is one of the things that I we started out with. How I know you're you're in this band called Honky Donkey and the Heartbreakers, right? Correct. Okay, now you're it's you and one other individual that's in the band from high school. Correct. What's his name? Um. So. Far- Farther back, Honky okay. Donkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he likes to remain anonymous and just going by Honky Donkey. But Honky Donkey. His, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, mm-hmm. I got, I grew up with him from before high school. He was okay. my sister, my sister's age. So he's three years older than me. Oh. And so he was kind of like an older brother and he was always in my life and stuff. And so mm-hmm. he was actually one of the pe- only out of the two people that came to visit me. And when I went to the inpatient, I went to Craig Hospital in Colorado. And so yep. it was real, I couldn't have I, people come visit me. Right. I had one friend that lived in Wyoming that came down and saw me for a weekend. And then he came and came up for a couple of weeks and stayed, hung out and stuff. And he ended up giving me a minivan to, to use because he had nice. a minivan. I didn't have a car because I you know, wrecked my yeah. car. And, mm-hmm. um, so what, what ended up happening was I, I actually started playing guitar every day after my accident. That was kind of like my therapy. Like I had, I had a guitar when I was younger. Never really learned. Started in sixth grade, and it never caught on. Okay. When I got home, I got an acoustic guitar, and I'd go sit out in the garage, and I'd literally play it every day until I could play and sing, and would have friends over and all this stuff. Wow. So it, it became a real integral part of my life was performing you know getting on stage i, I love to be on stage even before my accent was to really? get out there and sing okay. and, and okay. dance or do whatever stuff um so 
Were you a theater kid? Like, were you in plays? Or... I was not. Okay. I was not in theater. I we I did like the um, I, I was in honor choir when I was in sixth grade. Okay. And then and then it became uncool, you know, to be like, oh, you're in choir. That's not cool. Yeah, Which I should have kept going with it, but. <laughs> that is awesome. So you have a God-given talent of singing, and then you taught yourself how to play play guitar really well right after your injury. How long did it take? for you to really feel confident playing the guitar? So I, <clears throat> I would play for my friends. We would have, I, I have a lot of friends that would come over to my garage and other friends that played guitar and cool. sing. So that, that really helped my confidence. I didn't actually perform live with my instrument until after. So actually in college, I performed for philanthropy. Okay. Um, I got nominated as uh, one of the philanthropy uh, people to raise money, and, and you know, so mm -hmm. I did for my uh, the talent show. I went out in there. I wrote a song and I played the song and sang it. And it was about the philanthropy. Okay. And so that was the first time really performing in front of an audience of people. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love. Is it, <laughs> I love you get like a high from it, like when people? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Isn't it? And it's it's mm -hmm. funny because it's it's more of a. Mm -hmm. Um, a, like a nervous driven adrenaline rush kind of thing where it's like uh, even after playing hundreds of shows every time I get on stage I'm still nervous and I still takes me about one song to get in my zone kind of feel like, it oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is so what cool. ended up happening mm -hmm. was um, I was getting ready to graduate it was 2012 I was talking to my buddy He'd just come down we had some friends from chile come up and i was showing him around and he's like you know what we need to start a band i was like we do and they already called him honky donkey for some other reasons and i was like well it must be the heartbreaker so <laughs> and it was kind of it worked really well so we did the you know honky donkey and the heartbreaker i love honky which donkey. we had a really cool uh friend of ours who designed these logos and and we got the Donkey Breaker logo, which is out. I back. love it. That's so funny. <laughs> so we, he sent me a list of songs, and it was like six songs. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna practice and practice, and when we get back, we'll we'll start playing with the band." Okay. So sure enough, um, graduated, came home, and he was at that point. He was getting ready to build a cabin out in the woods. And so we went out and lived in the woods for about three months, building a cabin, like in tents. And there was no electricity. There was a campfire every day. Okay. And the two of us built this massive cabin. Whatever. Wow. <laughs> and, and I would play every day around the campfire and we would okay. write songs. And so we had our whole oh. list of songs that we wrote together. Nice. Nice. And we started just going out to bars and areas and asked the bartender, hey, is it okay if we play today? We got we got our guitar with us. Let's go just play a couple songs. And they're like, sure. Cool. And they turn the music mm -hmm. off and we just do our couple of jams and everyone loved it. And you guys need to play a show. And yeah. So um that point at that point I took my knowledge from college mm -hmm. and I applied it to how am I going to mass market myself or mass communicate this out? So let's build a website, let's do marketing material and yeah. every, basically everything I learned, video editing, all these things, and I applied them to our, our band. And so it was a really good um, transition to keep going with the stuff I learned. 
but I gave myself six years. I said, if I'm not famous in six years, I got to get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the funny thing is uh, the college system, I got financial aid, but they had a clause that you couldn't work for, I think it was two years, one or two years after graduating or you'd have to pay back your student loans. If you weren't able to get a job for that time, then they would write them off. Oh, wow. And so I was like, well, I can't work. That's a it's good like... deal. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What kind of deal is that? I just wish my college would have offered that. <laughs> That's amazing. So six years passed. And... Six years passed. Mm-hmm. And in, so that was 2013, 2016. We recorded our first album. Okay. Um, we had played, so just going out to little places and then booking shows. Yeah. Uh, I think the first year we did like 250 shows. What? That's a lot. And wow. just all, almost every, like every other day we were going out and hitting stuff. Are you going next, you only in California? Or were you guys going across other states? Um, at that point, 2013, mm-hmm. we were in California and it was like Southern California to Northern California. Fine. Okay. Um, went over to Nevada a couple of times cool. Cool. and then 2014, we ended up going to Nashville. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, is your genre, twice. is your genre like singer songwriter or what would you classify your music? So mm-hmm. the funny thing is, is we call our music hundred percent alcoholic lovemaking music. It's a genre of its own. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. all right and that was that's based on it's a little bit of rock it's a little bit of folk it's a little bit of country alternative okay it, yes it is very singer songwriter but it was high energy to really get the people going and dancing and promote drinking and promote bar, tipping your bartender and having a good time oh yeah that was, we fun. we designed it all around having a raging fun time trying to steer away from the slower songs yeah i always complain i don't like low music i like high energy music (laughs) life is too sad and i don't know if it's because i've been the paralysis thing i'm like i can't listen to sad music right it's gonna put me in a hole (laughs) i don't want to get out (laughs) so that is great do you have like certain musicians that inspired you just you know i like that it's i don't know (laughs) yeah growing up it was i think my first Mm -hmm. Well, my parents had, were really into like uh, 70s and 80s rock music cool. and country. Yeah. And so that was kind of my first CD was actually Van Halen. Cool. Yeah. And then I was really into like Garth Brooks. Yes. And just kind of, I, I just liked all music. It wasn't really like this one or that one. I never really idolized any one musician, never yeah. really had posters or anything like that. That's, that's cool though, that you kind of like took like a little bit of all the genres for your band. When you say honky donkey, I just want to laugh. Like, there's something about the name that makes me want to laugh. Where did you guys come up with honky donkey? So honky donkey, uh, it, it's actually it's a funny story. My buddy, the other guy in the band, um, we're both friends with a wine a winery owner. Oh. Uh, one of our friends, he's a younger guy, but his he's kind of taken over his family business and owns a winery. And he himself, the younger guy, bought a winery in Chile. Mm-hmm. And so the other guy in the band went down there to work for a couple months doing the harvest and everything. And they would all call him Wasso Burro. Mm-hmm. Wasso Burro. 
you know, like honky donkey. Oh yes. Because he's a he's a white guy. He's a honky. He's like a honky because he's always drunk. You know. <laughs> oh my god, that's so I love it. And it's it's actually it's honky donkey with it's K Y K Y like the jelly. Yes. Because so, that's what we promoted. You know? Oh my God, you guys. I wish <laughs> There's I could... no even. So that's pretty great. And so do you, have you ever done a big music festival over the years? Um, what's the biggest show you've done? Um, biggest show. I played I played by myself. Mm -hmm. I got on with uh um, under the big sky it's a music festival that happens here in montana okay and i got invited on stage with another band from tennessee to kind of like jam out jam out with them yeah cool. and there was probably i don't know six or seven hundred people in that audience nice and nice. that was the after party to the big festival what okay so we haven't yeah. actually played any big festivals um we've done a lot of smaller shows and yes. we've you know, we changed, we actually were part of, we brought the music scene to a different place in California, in Hollister there, the small town. Yeah. There wasn't a real big music following. There was like a live band here or there. Mm -hmm. And we just like, we hit them so hard. We brought in all these different people and started getting a lot of bands coming in. Uh, we made really good relationships with one of our uh, friends who owned, he, at the time he owned three bars cool. and he also was a brewer. He, they made beer. We actually have our picture up on the wall and his, he has like these photos of different friends and different people were on one of them. We were there making beer for one of our shows. And... That's so cool. There's a few guitarists out there that have, are pretty big, like Eric Hawk, you know, from that band, mm -hmm. um, Portugal, the man. Yeah. And he plays guitar seated, you know, and yep. I, I, since you weren't real, if you played guitar before Stan, what, what would you say is like something that was more tricky to learn or get used to as a seated guitarist, just for anyone listening that may want to play guitar and sit in their wheelchair, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple of interesting things. So one, if you're really active, I don't know about you, but my wheelchair always squeaks when I bounce in it. Yeah, it squeaks. <laughs> it's a squeaker. So there's like an extra noise. I can you, hear like, it. Bouncing out, right? Yeah. Um, and then always, you know, with the acoustic guitar bumping into the chair. But as long as I had a strap on there. Yep. And yep. it was, you know, up a little bit higher. Totally mm -hmm. fine. Definitely a really good core workout. When you're moving around I bet it lot. is. Yeah. Um. But just having it on your lap and playing, it's it's no different than than any other That's awesome. situation. Being not in a chair or in a chair. Okay. I would say the num yeah. number one hardest part about being in the chair and playing yeah. live shows is the stages. The stages are not accessible. I was going to ask None, you that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ninety-five percent of the stages were not. There was no ramp. You know, it was either get out of my chair right. and hop in, put the chair up there and hop into it. Or, you know, a, it would be like a bigger stair and kind of hop up onto yep, it. Yep. You're lucky you can do that though. You know, if you're in yeah. a chair and like a massively, you know, that'd be hard to get up those stairs. 
But yeah, most bars aren't accessible. I imagined you were getting carried up a lot of these places, but yeah. it's worth it, right? I guess. I mean, yep. you know, yeah. And then I always finish the show with a nice little curb hop off of the stage. <laughs> and I think I think the tallest one I jumped off of was like a three foot tall stage. Nice. Pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get like a bunch of crazy people that are drinking that just fall in love with you because you're just so cool, you know? I bet you get a lot of people <laughs> approach you like you're amazing, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, is it me or is it the chair? Did, <laughs> was my music actually good? Or you just like me because I'm in the chair. You want to talk to me? Oh, I guess <laughs> so. you just gotta be gracious though and say thank you, of course. You know, uh, no, definitely. Yeah. So and wanna... women, women for some yeah. reason feel like, oh, I need a seat because I'm at a bar. I'm just gonna sit on your lap. And... Oh, you know they do that, and then you're like, hello. <laughs> Well, that brings me to your personal life. Now, I don't want to get too much into it. We don't have a lot of time left, but you mentioned you had a daughter. So, of course, I have yeah. to ask. Now, you haven't been married, right? So, did you just happen to have a daughter with an ex-girlfriend kind of thing? Uh, she is my ex now, but okay. um, we we grew up together, okay. uh, next door neighbors to each other. Oh, okay. And then uh, we had our daughter in 2016. Cool. Right after I got done, mm -hmm. so or actually 2016, she got pregnant. Okay, our daughter was born February 2017. So yeah. we finished recording our album in June, July, August, August of 2016, and I was like, I need to slow down. I'm gonna have a daughter. I can't yeah. be doing this crazy stuff anymore. You know, I want to. Cool. Was it something Changed that you always life. wanted to be? Did you want to be a dad or was it like, oh, shit, yes. I'm nervous? Okay. No, I was, I was so excited. So cool. Cool. I uh, quit, quit drinking and what? I was like, oh, I'm pregnant too. You know, like I can't oh, be, that's you know, so out cool. of support. So it was, it was a great experience. I was able to uh, be involved in the whole process with all the appointments and, yep. and then, you know, we just, Stuff didn't work out for us you and, know that happens um, with so many couples whether you're in a chair or not it just isn't sometimes where but your daughter what's her name so my daughter's name's wilder wild and that's with the y so w-y-l-d-e-r and she's mm -hmm. super awesome um she actually just took her first piano lesson um monday night oh my god because she's been so she's been I've been playing to her since she was born. You know, I, I, I almost every day I'd get the guitar out and play and sing to her. And then I started buying her instruments, whatever. <laughs> so she has like four guitars and she good? a keyboard. She yeah. Um, she's, I, I'm not pushing her to learn. I'm letting her do it on her own pace. And so she can enjoy it as much as possible. Yeah. And so that's really a, a big thing for me is yeah. that I want her to enjoy it. I want her to do it. I want her to, I want her to want it not yeah. to just do it because oh my parents said I have to do this or yeah I don't want her to resent music no so she's been yeah she's been singing with me for as long as I can re remember what? um she has a little ukulele and we would go out uh what two before she started kindergarten right around that time kindergarten um there was like an open mic night oh. and it's real nice group of people and we would go out and she would get up on stage with me and she'd have her ukulele and she would like pretend to play and she would <laughs> sing along and um the first song that we sang together that I taught her was you're my, you're my sunshine oh my god and so that's like our little jam I got some good footage of her and I singing together and it's and she actually she sings really great now for being 
she's going to be seven here in uh, February. That's but awesome. I always tell people, yeah, she's going to be like my Miley. I'll just be like Billy Ray. <laughs> I'm my one hit wonder. <laughs> and then she's going to be the real star. She'll be my cash cow. She can just like pay my mortgage. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Because you know Billy Ray is not making as much money as Miley anymore. That's for sure. That is so funny. <laughs> So, you know, I, you know, as a wheelchair user and a dad, you know, do you have any, you're, you've not been a dad before, so you're only kids, so you probably, you know, can't compare it to if you had been walking, but, you know, do you have any advice or any insight just as a dad who uses a wheelchair, like if, you know, anyone out there is wanting to be a parent, you know? Um, it's, there's some times that are difficult. Um, you just have to be willing to work a little harder sometimes you know you guys yeah. not only push yourself but my daughter loves to ride on my lap and so i'm like pushing an extra 60 gonna be 70 80 pounds <laughs> get too tall um she also likes to ride on my shoulders oh, like when we cute. go to like disneyland and you're so, lucky you can do that still at that you're strong that's cool yeah um and i mean when she was real little the best invention, those those backpack kind of things that they sit yes. on, you know, that you could, that works super great for as long as that she could ride in there for. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there, there's. I mean, it's different. Everyone is gonna have their own, their own situation. Does she ever ask you any questions, like Daddy? Daddy oh, she's she she's she's super comfortable with wheelchairs. Yep. She knows I I talk to her a lot about it. She knows she tells all her friends. My dad. That's what's so cool. She's everybody. raised around it, so she's just like normal to her, right? Yeah. And it, it is she'll she'll look around and realize oh there's stairs there you can't go down there. <laughs> you know she's like she's looking out the same things I'm looking it's for so when sweet. when I'm rolling around, Aww. and so that's that's really cool. Um, and I think it's really good because she'll be, you know I I was never really raised around wheelchairs and i either yeah i think my i played around in my grandma's wheelchair for a little while and was like good wheelies and <laughs> but never really yeah i think that's the thing um, that's why so many of us have issues once we land in a chair because we have these negative stigmas in our brains you know what i mean yeah so your daughter has got a, not that, you know, she just, is going to have a really cool insight. I think that's what is great about all parents with disabilities is they're able to give that gift to their children, you know? So, yep. so cool. And she, she's finally getting strong enough that she can almost throw my chair in the back of the truck now. So I'm like a little bit more full-time helper. That is so funny, you know? And I know they want to help too. It's like, you can't yeah. say no, because I've seen little kids are like, let me do this. I'm like, okay, all right, you got this. So that's amazing. And uh, do you guys, do you see her a lot? And you guys like split or 50, 50 or something like that? Or Yep. Yeah. Cool. So we, we both moved up here in Montana and okay. we live about five minutes apart from each other. That's nice. Um, and then yeah. her school's right there. And so it's, she'll spend, um, it, it kind of goes a couple days here, a couple days there where it's like, okay. or I'll have it for three or four days. And then she goes to her mom's house for three or four okay. days. So it's pretty 50, 50, but it's just not. I get her every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or it's sometimes I get her, you know, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. just depending on whatever's going on. So, wow, um, you guys are lucky to be able to get along so well too and do the right thing. We do. Mm -hmm. We do have a really good working relationship for our daughter. I don't ever, you know, talk bad about her mom and, and make sure that it's important because that, that could that goes a long ways if you're negatively talking about someone's parent oh, yeah. to them and they're a little kid they don't understand they just don't know why it's wrong with my mom or dad 
Well, I love that, so, guys. So I, before we part ways, um, and yes. I'm sure people, I'm going to share all of your social media links directly, but okay. if you want to like just share your website right now so people can just remember what you're, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's honkyheart.com, H-O-N-K-Y-H-E-A-R-T.com, okay. that one. And then uh, I also am part of a couple other businesses. Uh, since I moved up here, I partnered with a couple people, but, yeah. uh, life, life, I have a life happens, um, company, which is a business consulting firm. Cool. So I help people with small businesses get up and going and marketing logos and really? that kind of stuff. Awesome. And then, awesome. um, I'm also working with uh, spirit keepers treatment, which is SKT and that's a drug and alcohol addiction rehabilitation Cool. Uh, program that we're putting together and it's That's it's cool. based mainly my partners in native american yeah. um indian blackfoot blackfeet native. awesome and then we i have a uh another company called the last west place yeah it's a what's your oh i just why did they do that out. is it is it a um, zoom thing that is so annoying let me see here right now so Oh, that's the logo. It's the last State Montana blessed place. Oh, the best. I love because it because there. Yeah. And so we have a, a website where you can go on there. We have a bunch of different. I think I have like eight thousand different products that you can choose okay. from. And... We're gonna add that link so everyone can check it out. We'll talk. Maybe we should have you on again. But I hope to see you guys tour one day. I don't know if that's ever gonna happen, but I would love to see you guys come and do a summer tour somewhere. I'd love to see definitely. You. But, yeah, because we, I mean, we play at least once a year now. <laughs> okay, once a year. I love it. All right, well, Zoom's about to, you know, disconnect us. So I just want to have a, a like, proper goodbye. Okay. Thank you so much for joining Thank the you. show or whatever you want to call our little podcast. And yeah, good luck with everything this year. And we'll keep in touch, okay? We also have a couple, two new songs that are coming out here. Uh, really? Well, look, look, look out. Yeah. Look for your YouTube uh, or Instagram. Yeah, and also we're on Spotify we have almost 200,000 streams on Spotify, Shut so up. we're kicking butt on there, yeah. We're going to add that link, too, then, for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you. Cool. I will talk to you thank soon. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Yep. Thank you.